new concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential. Hey guys, welcome back to the Success 101 podcast, live episode number 31. Emilio, what's going on, buddy? Oh man, it's good to be here, man. How are you doing? Man, I'm great. I just got back from a five-day business trip for my financial advising practice here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had a crazy weekend as well. I got invited to be a guest at Coach Training. I know, you know I have various certifications, but I'm you know going to be growing the rest of my life, whether that's personally or professionally. And it was pretty cool. I got invited by a mutual mankind brother, and it's kind of some men's work that I do and some uh, additional coach training. And it was kind of like one module of this company called IPEC and learned some good stuff. A lot of it was some refreshers. But, you know, sometimes when you hear something differently or someone says it in a different way, a light bulb goes off. And I think that happens all the time when you're reading or, or going to conferences or talking to people. It's like a lot of the same information sometimes. But, you know, if it's said differently or positioned in a different way, then sometimes, you know, there's a lot of insights. It was a great weekend. I'm glad I went and I'm glad he invited me. And so uh, it's been good, man. Man, that's awesome. I love that you're doing so many coaching activities in your downtime and throughout the week. And that's just going to keep you sharp and glad to have you here as a prime part of the Success 101 podcast and these live episodes, because I know I've gotten great feedback from some of the comments you've had out there and some of the dialogues we've had together. And so I just think it's adding so much to the listener's experience whenever they can hear not only from someone like me who's testing and experiencing a lot of things in my own life and things that I know work because of where I've come from and the journey I've been on, but someone like you as well that's actually doing this coach training and learning from you know people well beyond our years and experience levels that uh, can really bring that to them. So that's awesome. I know you and I were talking a little bit offline. We've got a ton of stuff to share with the listeners today, and time always flies by so quickly. I'm very curious and very eager to get your content that uh, we were discussing a little bit offline out to the listeners about just breaking your limiting beliefs, some of the energy blocks that you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think this particular topic is going to be a juicy one and one that I don't think is talked about enough. A lot of times when I'm with my clients, you know, we have this thing about we have these certain agreements where we hide nothing and we hold nothing back where I'm going to show up 100% and I practice them to do the same, you know, being really authentic and, you know, sometimes being vulnerable and what I call really leaning into your edge, really cracking open certain things. And, you know, this is that 50-50 that I do, that 50% high performance and 50% deep inner work of going down there and ripping up the roots, if you will, and putting the good back in there and that really good cycle. And so along those lines, there's a lot of, you know, when we peel back the onion, if you will, there's a lot of limiting beliefs, you know, as a general category here that people have about themselves or people or places or things that are preventing them from breaking through to success, to high performance, to a new level, to, you know, showing up better in life for their relationships, for their family, for their business, for a new entrepreneurial venture. And I've learned about this for a long time, and it's been said differently via books or conferences or coaching certifications. But, you know, I think IPEC, the one that I just came back from, did a pretty good job of labeling it. And there's kind of like various you know, different types of limiting beliefs. And they had this kind of system called Gales, and it's G-A-I-L. The G is for gremlins, A is for assumptions, I is for interpretations, and then L is the general kind of limiting beliefs. And really, the limiting beliefs is all of them. I mean, the gremlins are limiting beliefs, the assumptions are limiting beliefs, the interpretations are limiting beliefs. And, you know, a lot of this is happening at an unconscious level. We talk about the unconscious a lot where it's kind of behind us, it's not in front of us. And if it's not in front of us, then we don't know that it's happening. And we're, we tend to react to things. And we're just kind of going through the motions, if you will. You know, it may not be 
the way they want their life to be living, but they have no idea that these things are getting in the way. And, you know, here's the thing. Once they're aware of it, once they shine the light on these things, the next thing you know, one, they're like, what the heck? How come I've been living this way? And then two, okay, now I know it's there. Now I'm aware of it. Now let's make a decision. Really, ultimately in life, it's about decisions. We make choices in life. And the more that we're aware, the more that we increase our awareness, the more that we can make better decisions. And so that what I mean about, that's what I mean about, like, let's identify what are these limiting beliefs about ourselves so that we can shine a light on them. Once we're aware of them, remove them and say, hey, what's the decision I want to make here so that we can uh, perform better, you know, whether it's in, you know, personally or professionally. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned it's the subconscious because so much of earlier podcasts before you even came on board was all about the subconscious mind, how it works. And so many times we just don't even know how negative we're being, how many excuses we're giving ourselves for why we're not performing. And though we want to perform on super optimal levels every day, mm-hmm. and sometimes we think we are, we think we're heading down this path of like, okay, I'm about to knock a lot of stuff out. I'm really motivated. It's those interlying, the gales that you mentioned, that's very interesting. I've never heard that before. Those things, a lot of those things that you mentioned in that acronym are things that if you're not careful, they are festering behind the scenes there and will actually, and sometimes it's maybe just, you know, I don't know what descriptor I want to give here, but maybe like millimeters of a uh, of a measurement that throw you off little by little. And by the end of the day, you're way off track, you know, mm-hmm. for where, where you wanted to be. But you haven't even noticed that that's happening behind the scenes. That's, yeah. that's all fascinating to me how the brain works yeah. in that area. And, you know, it's, I'm glad that you brought that up because remember that statistic that I brought up when we were talking about the subconscious, too. It was I don't know if you remember it. There was a winner. I think I had a story on my Instagram about a winner if they got this statistic right. And it was that 11, that your brain processes 11 million bits of information per second. And we have two ways of processing information, our conscious and unconscious mind. And out of that 11 million bits of information per second, our conscious mind, I don't know if you remember, processed only 40, four zero out of that. And, you know, the takeaway being that, you know, the power of the subconscious or the non-conscious mind that's always going on second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour, you know, week, month, year by year. And it's just like you said, that millimeter that's thrown off. And then all of a sudden it adds up and you're showing up in a way that you're not wanting to, but, you know, your subconscious in a way is driving you that way. So, yeah, it's interesting stuff, man. You know, and one thing to point out about this is that there's different kind of, I guess, energies with each of these gales. So, like, you know, the L, the limiting beliefs is kind of the lowest. And then it goes up to like the I interpretations, up to the A, the assumptions, and then all the way up to the G, gremlins. And what I mean by that kind of going up I guess if you want to talk about like the peeling of the onion, the more you peel back the onion, you know, the first starting the peeling is limiting beliefs. Then you start to peel a little bit more and that's the interpretations more is the assumptions. And then when you got to the very core of that onion, those are the gremlins. And so those are the most that require the most energy. Those are the ones, you know, as the higher you go up from starting from L to the G, that's where it really kind of, you know, that's when you really got to kind of break through. Those are the hardest ones to get to. But I mean, just to give it for our listeners, if, if you guys are wondering, well, okay, well, what do these really mean? A limiting beliefs would be something that you accept about your life, about yourself or about your world or about the people in it, right? That limits you in some way in your business, in your relationships, what you're trying to do for yourself. Right. Now, this is a success one-on-one podcast. So this is something that may be holding you from achieving success. Let me put it this way. So a limiting belief, an example would be like a generalization, like the ability to run a four-minute mile is the classic example of a limiting belief. It just can't happen. Like a generalization of something. You're like, well, okay, well, that's that's a very limiting belief. Like, Okay, well, in the past, there wasn't, you know, no one was able to run a four-minute mile. Well, that's a limiting belief. Soon after, of course, that, that record was broken. And soon after that, you know, other records have been broken. But if you always told yourself that, you know, this can't be done, 
Well, that is never going to be done. No, absolutely. You know, I talk a lot about Mark Devine as well. This falls into a similar category he has for anyone who studied his work out there. He has an acronym called BOO, which is Background of Obviousness. And what that means is, is whatever's going on in our culture, whatever's going on in our lives, whatever's going on in our history, our upbringing, whatever those ingrained beliefs are that may not be true, but there are beliefs, right? That's what he considers the background of obviousness is it's obvious to us because of our background or what's going on in the background of our lives. And that might be true, but in many cases, especially for us over here in Western culture that sometimes aren't as open to other things, right? That obviousness is Mm -hmm. not so obvious to everyone else out there. So we have to, especially as leaders and, you know, you're doing a lot of coaching with people. I'm doing a lot of leadership here with uh, the office that I'm running. We have to really be open to other obviousnesses that other people, they might be excited about, or they also might be down about that we really have to help get them out of. And if we've got limiting beliefs ourselves, we're not going to be very, we're not going to be very uh, helpful in that area, not only to ourselves, but to them as well. Absolutely. I mean, if you believe that you will not be able to accomplish a goal, then you're more than likely not to put forth the effort to achieve that goal. The whole self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If you convince yourself you can't, then you won't. And you know, right. nine times out of 10, that's, that's going to limit us. Now, that's kind of like the generalization. That's kind of a low energy kind of limiting belief. You know, as you get deeper and deeper, then it turns into kind of like interpretations is kind of maybe um, kind of really the next juicy one, if you will. And that one is basically an opinion or judgment that you create about an event a situation, person, or experience that, and believe it to be true, basically. So this is kind of like, how would I put it this? So like, for instance, if you're, let's say you send your friend an email, right? And you get no response. You may interpret it as, you know, your friend has no desire to talk to you. When in reality, your friend may have not received the email or is too busy to respond at the moment or something was going on or went to a spam or, or, or whatever. But if you can, you know, but we interpret things. Oh, this is what it was. Oh, this is what it was, right? We create that story in our heads is, okay, this is what happened here. When in actuality, it was not true. Those are, you know, those were your thoughts and your thoughts only. And we build these interpretations constantly in our minds, which limit us from sending another email or talking to another person or going and having a social outing with somebody or something like that, which may lead to that next step to whatever you're trying to achieve. I think this happens all the time, which is, I think it's, it's just, I see it all the time with my clients and myself. I mean, I'm not, you know, I mean, I experience all of this stuff, except the big part of this is just being aware of it. I'm not saying any of this is bad. Our brains are actually hardwired to do all this stuff to protect us. Right. And what I've heard about before, Emilio, with that great point is many times, you know, when people are worried about these uh, limiting beliefs, or like you said, if you believe something is to be true within yourself, if your background of obviousness that obviousness is that it's true to you. The rest of the world's looking at it as like, man, that may not be the case. Mm. Most of the time, research would tell you on everything that I've read so far is that most of those limiting beliefs, the things they were worried about, the things they were concerned about, the false things that they believed, never in most cases, the high, high majority, like 80 plus percent were not even real. So the fears they had were not even real or the mm. outcome they feared would happen if they took a step forward. Yeah. Never was the case. Right. Right. You know, so, right. so they held themselves back didn't do certain things in life, didn't do certain things with their decisions. And if they were to just take those steps forward, those things would have been way different than what their mind was telling them what happened, which caused them to not move forward, to sit still in that, you know, in that fear. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fear is a huge one. And that kind of comes big when we talk about the G gremlins. And I mean, you know, fear happens all the time. We just got to be aware of it and maybe utilize it in the best way. And, you know, even if you think about some of the stuff that we recommend or the way that we talk or how we have shared various things that can help our listeners, right? I mean, there could be some limiting beliefs like, and we'll get there in terms of like, you know, I'm not good enough or I can't do that or I'm not smart enough or I can't 
go and try that or I don't have enough money to do this or whatever. There's all these stories in their head of I can't, I can't, or I need to do this. And it's like, whoa, where did that come from? You know, why not? Why can't you do this? And really kind of bringing it to awareness and asking you those questions, asking yourself those questions, you know, because we could be providing a lot of information here and people could be interpreting it differently than what we're trying to provide, right? Or they could be saying, oh, you know, that Jared and Amelia are doing that, but I can't do that. Why not? What is the limiting belief that you have about yourself that says that you can't go and try that or do that or take this? You know what I mean? Uh, And it happens all the time. Like I said, that subconscious mind. So I think really being an example of that, uh, you know, last month, actually, I just had a client. This just popped in my mind. I was just talking to him the other day and he's the uh, this is all confidential stuff. So I'll just I can't really say his name, but uh, he's the CEO of a marketing company here in the United States. And uh, he used to be very negative And at times it'll sneak up about a lot of stuff. And of course, it's because a lot of things that have happened to him in the past, but we've started to really kind of peel back this onion. And he has various interpretations, since we're on interpretations of people in his life, personally and professionally. And he's always just, it's so negative. And, you know, we've been breaking through that. But one thing came up in the present moment, because a lot of my coaching is present space coaching. And, you know, there's this quote that came up last month when we were in a coaching session. And I think it was from Anais Nin. And the quote is, we do not see the world as it is. We see it as we are. And all I did was just say that quote because it just came up and I thought it was perfect for that. And he sat there for about anywhere from five to eight minutes, long time. And anytime I, and any, also anytime my clients are kind of quiet like that, that's where real breakthroughs happen. That's where an insight occurs. And it's, you know, it's yeah. not, it's kind of like, don't break that. Let them, that's when their world is shifting. Yeah, because we want to jump in many times as coaches to try to save them from the silence. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it was true. You know, we do not see the world as it is. We see it as we are. And after about eight minutes, man, he just said, wow. And he realized, I believe, in that moment that he was this this negative person that had been like stewing and all this stuff about other people. But it's like, because he was that way, that's the way, that's the reason why he saw the world that way. You know, our world is a perceptual illusion. And so, you know, we're constantly interpreting things differently, but it's kind of like if I am love, let's say, and I'm just feeling great or whatever, then I'm going to see the world that way. If I'm full of hatred, then I'm going to see the world that way. And so that, that goes along with this interpretations, how we interpret situations, people, events, experiences, and how much we believe them to be true when in actuality, they're your thoughts and they're your thoughts only. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it just comes back to, again, that background of obviousness is the world as we see it, not as other people see it. You know, I heard a quote a while back from a business partner of mine where, and I don't know where he got this from, but it'll stick with me for the rest of my life, where he said, we grade ourselves on our intentions, whereas the world grades us on our actions. So in other words, we can justify why we did or did not do certain things, or we can, you know, place blame elsewhere as why we did, did or didn't do certain things. And we can justify that and go, well, here was my intention behind that. Here's why I made the decision I made. Here's why I didn't step forward in courageousness and I, you know, shrink back in fear. But the world's looking at us going, well, here's what we saw. And you can apply that to what you're talking about here, which is we see the world as we see the world, not as the rest of the world is seeing it, you know, out there around us. You know, I think that's so good because that reminds me of like true and truth. And I'll explain that here in a second. But you're right. The world says, hey, look, there was an opportunity here. You missed it. And we're over here making justifications for it. Like you said, excuses, all this stuff. But the reality is this is what it was. This is what it is. There's this quote, I can't remember who it was or how it was, but it's like something about truth and true and truth. What we believe to be true is all the stuff that kind of like this justifications or excuses, we can make whatever up, say this is true. But there's absolute truths out there. When you talk about the universe or the world, it's like, take for example, gravity. That's a universal truth that can't be made up in our mind. 
Yet there are a lot of times we have these truths, not truths, but truths about ourselves and people in the world. But the reality is there's some universal truths out there and, and some things that, you know, you may be believing about yourself or a particular event may not be. You know, the next one is assumptions. And really, that's all what that is, an expectation that because something has happened in the past, it will happen again. Right. So like, for instance, I have friends that are in real estate and, you know, they might give up too soon because their first investment lost them money. And they concluded that, hey, you know, this is going to be the norm going forward. And then they never try again. Right. Just because something happened in the past does not mean it will reoccur again. So, you know, a lot of times we do that. It's like, hey, this happened twice for me. This, you know, so the third time this is what's going to happen, you know, and it's not the case. Then once they eliminate that energy block of assumptions, they can move forward to really performing at a high level in whatever they're doing. I think that's a great point you made there that it's a truth to them. But really, you know, could we classify that as a truth? Well, it's it feels like a truth to us in the moment. You know, hey, I, I failed right. at real estate. Therefore, real estate must be a bad idea. Well, right. there's people making millions upon millions of dollars out there in real estate. So, you know, just like you said, with gravity, that one's a little bit harder to debunk because we all have gravity here on the earth. Right. Mm -hmm. But something like real estate, that's a perfect example. Oh, I bought a home or I invested in real estate property, commercial real estate property, lost my tail on it. Therefore, my brain thinks that's a bad idea. I don't ever want to walk through that again. Mm -hmm. And then the next person you meet on the street mm -hmm. is killing it. You know, same environment, same market, same whatever. Maybe they just made a couple of different decisions. Well, that's their reality. That's their truth. You know, let's say they failed at the real estate and it could have been so many other factors, but then all of a sudden they start to create stories about themselves, which are the gremlins. Well, this is like their inner critic that we all have, that we tell ourselves in one way or another that we are not good enough. We don't have enough, or I'm not smart enough, or I'm not that much attractive, or maybe I'm manipulative or too sensitive. You know, this self-doubting, if you will, right? This didn't happen. So let's create a story about myself, you know, or, or maybe a teacher said you're not smart enough or a kid or something like that. Then you believed it the rest of your life that, hey, I'm not smart enough or I'm not good enough. And then it limits you because you have that story playing constantly in your head. Whereas if you just realize that that's a story and that's not the truth, the next thing you know, you're aware of that, you remove it, and then you pull, you just freaking headstrong forward, man. And I see this all the time, man. So, I mean, it's, you know, there's a quote that says, I forgot who it's from, but it's like our level of true awareness is directly related to our lack of judging. We're always judging other people, ourselves. And so once we remove that, man, we could plow forward, man, to bigger and better things. I'm so glad you mentioned that this might be a follow-up topic that we should stay on because, you know, there's a lot of great information we could give our listeners, but for peak performance, which is the mantra here, the podcast, how can we help people reach higher levels of peak performance through ideas and concepts mm -hmm. and new things that they're learning? I don't know that there's much more important than this that we can go over because, yeah. you know, the brain and the way the brain works, we talk about that a lot from a cognitive standpoint, but man, you can have all the brain octane and lithium and all kinds of stuff going toward your brain that's really helping it rock from a cognitive standpoint and many other things out there. But if your limiting beliefs are not in check, you're going to mm -hmm. have a really uh, amped up brain yeah. that might even be thinking more negatively and more <laughs> about limiting beliefs because it's operating on a high level, but you haven't gotten those things yeah. out of there. So as we're talking about, you know, limiting beliefs and how the brain works and, you know, you've mentioned a few times about not working more than a certain amount of time without taking a break. This ties into the cognitive part of much of what we were talking about in previous episodes, but also around how we limit ourselves from a productivity standpoint. So your limiting beliefs idea is more from an internal concept, mentally, subconsciously, how we're limiting ourselves. This is going to be more from a productivity, maybe more even a time productivity standpoint. I've had a lot of people write in about comments that you and I have made about ultradian rhythms, working for a certain period of time, and then taking time off. I just want to make sure that people are understanding 
why this is so important. Because for me, and I was this guy for a long time, for me, it's so easy to not take breaks during the day because of that natural inclination that if I just keep pushing through, if I keep grinding, if I keep muscling it through, I will be more productive by the end of the day. And so much of our own life experience and so much research out there has told us that that is just not the case. Okay, so oftentimes, as I mentioned, we discuss taking more breaks on the podcast and the importance of that. But what that really comes down to, I wanted to hit it from a scientific standpoint here, what it comes down to is our basic rest activity cycle. So you guys may know, some of you may know that out there, the acronym BRAC, B-R-A-C, Basic Rest Activity Cycle. And the idea here is to take more breaks just to get more done. But our inclination is to keep pushing through that. The idea, though, is that skipping more breaks, as you and I have talked about before, might actually be super counterproductive. And the New York Times actually put out a a great article a while back on this about how to stay motivated, how to stay focused at work. It even had some like reducing eye strain and how that messes with your subconscious if you're having to strain your eyes all day long, those sort of things. But here's what the New York Times said. They said mental concentration is similar to a muscle. It becomes fatigued after sustained use and needs a rest period before it can recover. So we don't think about our brains like that many times or mental concentration like that many times. So although we may feel guilty about taking breaks or we may feel like we're not being productive by taking too many breaks, what research would tell you, and the New York Times article here said, recharging sessions are really essential for efficient, productive work. So I think logically that makes sense, right? If we can recharge our batteries more, we'll be more productive. But why do we just plow through constantly? And I'm guilty of this, big hand in the air here myself. Why do we just keep plowing through when we know breaks are going to be more productive for us? And so what most research neurologists, people out there that are studying the brain and how the brain works would tell you is you need to really schedule relaxation. As crazy as that sounds during a really productive day, you need to schedule relaxation and break times just as importantly, if not more than what you schedule your work times. So let's dive in here real quick to this basic rest activity cycle, this BRAC If you think about it, Emilio, this might be more familiar almost as what we've talked about before is the human sleep cycle. So sleep cycles are roughly about 90 minutes in length. So this is, you know, this is a very familiar concept here. You know, you're close to wakefulness, then you descend down into the the REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep, and then you come back again and start the process all over. So if you think about the basic rest activity cycle, when it comes to work or it comes to ultradian rhythms during the day, approximately 90 minutes. Most people's average is somewhere between like 80 and 120 minutes before they really need to start shutting things off. That is characterized by different levels of excitement and rest. And this is really, again, your mental capacity, but also your biological clocks and those sort of things. So if we compare it to sleep, this is going to help people really relate to it in a lot of, you know, even the delta cycles that we were talking about before. But when we're awake, our brain waves are faster. You know, a lot of the alpha and the uh, creative parts of our brain are kicking in when we're in flow states, especially. But our brain waves are faster during the first half of the cycle when we're alert, we're focused, we're getting in the grind, and then our brain waves slow down in the last 20 minutes of that natural ultradian cycle when we feel tired or a little bit more bored on the project, or it's like, man, I've been on this forever, I need to go take a break. That's when our body's telling us that our mental capacity is starting to get shot. Many times we let ourselves just grind and grind and grind and then realize how fatigued and tired we are. We rub our eyes, get up and walk down the hallway and like, man, I've been working on this thing forever, whatever. And maybe you do feel really productive, but you should have stopped quite a while back. In fact, Anders Ericsson, who I've had on the podcast before, if you read his book, Peak, where they study elite performers, people who are excelling in their field, whether it's musicians, athletes, chess players, whatever, what he would tell you and what we had a great conversation about is that uninterrupted practice in intervals of 90 minutes or less with breaks in between sessions worked best. 
for maximizing productivity. Now, some people can go maybe a little bit longer, some people maybe less. 90 minutes for the average individual is what they found that helped maximize productivity. Also, this was pretty fascinating as well in his research, is that also the people that are cranking away at the highest productivity levels rarely worked more than a four and a half hour day on any given day. Yeah, a lot of the high performers that I know don't work more than four and a half hours because they utilize this balance. The times that they are working, they're so efficient and so effective and their brain is just on rapid fire that really the four hours that they're working are actually way more productive than the person working eight, 10, 12 hours. You know, in a lot of our past episodes, we talk about muscles and I'm always talking about the men. Well, we're always talking about the mental muscles, physical muscles, emotional muscles, spiritual muscles, hustle muscles. There's all different types of muscles. And you brought it, you said, hey, this is a mental muscle. It's like, hey, do we go to the gym for 10 to 12 hours straight? No, <laughs> that would be counterproductive. There's diminishing returns and everything. And so, <laughs> right. so, yeah, same thing with our brain. I'm glad that you brought it up that way because you are training your brain and it can get exhausted and it shows up in different ways. But, you know, and these are just very small breaks that we're talking about, right? The last time we were talking is just, you know, every hour. And the quote that I got it from My Brain Solutions Leadership Assessments, they can research that too and Google that to see more data on that as well. But, you know, we're not talking something crazy. It could be anywhere from five seconds to take a breath, a deep breath, a couple deep breaths, five seconds to 15 minutes where you walk outside or run around the block or do some push-ups or something. But a quick break just to refocus, you know, so that you can get back into those reps, go back into those sets, if you will, right? So absolutely. You know, Anders Ericsson, his work around peak, if we're really going to, you know, again, drive toward peak performance, we've got to take lessons that are learned from all of that research and really maximize the, that as a long-term practice. So what his big deal is around his work, he says individuals must avoid, and I hear him say this all the time, but individuals must avoid exhaustion and must limit practice, whether that's business, whether that's sports, whether that's whatever, you've got to avoid exhaustion and you've got to limit practice to an amount from which you completely recover. And I want you guys to really tap into this as you're listening, because it can be so intoxicating sometimes to continue to push through day after day with what you're doing and what you're working on, especially if you're in a flow state, as we talked about before, or you're just, you really feel great. You've got a lot of dopamine endorphins being released. But by focusing on limiting our fatigue and building that in as a habit, as a daily habit, we can completely recover, even though you may not be feeling it in the moment, you can completely recover in a timely way, which is going to maximize all of our productive efforts. And you see this, Emilio, probably with some people you coach where they give it their all at work day after day after day. And it's that compounding effect in a negative way where they're just starting to get run down. Mm -hmm. But then what do they do whenever they get home to their family each mm -hmm. evening or they get home? If they're a single individual, they get home to themselves. They're not working out. They're not doing things yep. that are creative. Yep. They're not letting the brain rest. And they're either a zombie to their family or they're moody or they're mm -hmm. irritable or, you know, whatever. Or they just come home and just chill out on the couch in front of the TV yeah. and they turn their brain to mush. Absolutely, man. I mean, what this reminds me of is, and we've talked about this in previous shows, whether it's myself or you or my clients or, you know, your clients, it's, I like to think about it as, you know, this 1% better all throughout the rest of our life. A lot of people in life, it has, it's this roller coaster up and down and up and down and up. And then when they're down, that's what you were talking about, going home and being exhausted, can't be, you know, quality time for the kids or for their wife or for their husband or what have you. And it's this, I think about everything in energy. You know, there's this catabolic energy and anabolic energy. If you take these breaks and balance your life and balance your brain and everything that you're talking about, it's the difference between catabolic energy and anabolic energy. Catabolic energy being draining, destructive energy. You know, this type of energy releases catabolic chemicals such as cortisol, adrenaline, 
which actually eat away at our very cells. And, you know, if you are taking these breaks, if you are doing the things that you're talking about, Jared, then it's more of an anabolic energy, this constructive building healing energy that actually releases anabolic hormones such as testosterone in the body. You know, think about maybe anabolic energy. And I think this is one way of achieving that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that because so much of, you know, the people that I follow out there that are really trying to help us understand how to work better from a physical, a mental spiritual, all of those sort of things. They talk about stress in a healthy way many times because we look at it as such a negative. It is what gets stuff done. It is what gets us rolling. It's also what gets us out of the way when a threat comes our way. It's that spike in cortisol. The problem, though, is when we don't manage our stress properly, we don't take breaks the right way. And we let you said it, it eats away at your very organs and your cells. And we're literally killing ourselves from the inside with all this stress buildup. And when you have cortisol that is spiked over prolonged periods of time, you actually get into a position where your adrenals stop producing cortisol at the same levels. And then that's when people start hitting real rock bottoms because either the cortisol is up all the time or the cortisol is non-existent. They just don't even know where to go from that. and Their hormones are all out of whack. But if you guys can just think about your work cycles during the day, the same way you think about sleep cycles at night, we've got different rhythms that we have to get into in order to complete those cycles. And so I want to leave you with something here as we start thinking about, you know, your 90 minute chunks and start thinking about scaling that back before you feel tired. Most people out there have heard of the Pomodoro technique. I'm sure you have, Emilio. I'm sure many of your clients that you work with have. And I think people have heard about it a lot, but they just kind of let it go by the wayside. It's really a cyclical system. So that's why it works so well. You work in short sprints. So here's a couple of takeaways for you guys. If you imply the Pomodoro technique to take more breaks, they actually recommend breaking it down into 25 minutes. So even though your body can probably go or your brain can go 90 minutes at the long run in this ultradian cycle, there's no reason why we have to take it that far. So what you do is you choose a task that you want to accomplish, whatever it is that you're working on. You set your timer to 25 minutes. You work on that task until the timer goes off. And no matter how deep into that task you are, no matter how much more you feel like you can keep going, you have to stop. And you put a line, you put a check mark down on a sheet of paper. You take a five-minute break. Since we're only going 25 minutes, we only have to take a five-minute break. But then you start the timer again. You go another 25 minutes. You take a five-minute break. You go another 25 minutes. So in all, you've worked on this project for an hour after four of those timers go off. And you've also taken a 20-minute break in between all of that. But then you take a longer break. Maybe you take a 30-minute break after that or 15, 20-minute break, something like that, to get that deep reset going. So again, choose a task, set a timer 25 minutes, work on the task until it's done, force yourself to stop. Take a five-minute break. As soon as that five minutes is up, dive right back in. And every four of those cycles that you go through, then go take a longer break to go reset longer. And I've heard of people doing this, saying that it absolutely changed the way they work, and they're just not allowing that mental fatigue. They're not allowing those high cortisol levels of stress. They're not allowing that over and over being conscious of the fact that they're getting tired or they're getting worn out or they're pushing through. That just doesn't happen because you're keeping yourself in check with a timer. You know, there's a lot of writings out there about the Pomodoro technique, but I think it's a wonderful tool that people talk about a lot, but not many people are taking the time to build it in. And I think, Emilio, honestly, it's because it's so simple. I think people, it's so simple, people are just kind of moving right past it. Yeah. And and simple works. And I'd love to just say three quick things here about what you said that is so important. I think that also not only ties about what we were talking about earlier today, but also ties about what we talked about in our last podcast. And so the three things are this. First and foremost, 
it's this definition of insanity that we both know about, right? Doing the same things over and over and over again and expecting a different result. Right. If you're doing that, you're insane, guys. And the thing is, it's like, let's try something different. If you never tried this, try it. And second, what we talked about today earlier in the show, the, the gales, the gremlins, assumptions, interpretations, and limiting beliefs. You might have an interpretation of what we're saying or an assumption of what we're saying or some type of limiting belief that's saying, uh, you know, that this is not going to work because I've already tried it. Well, maybe this time that you try it, it's going to work, right? There could be an assumption or an interpretation of, of what we're saying. And so maybe explore that a little bit. Try something different. And the third thing is this, and this is what we were talking about last time on the show. Um, I know you're talking about lithium on the past show, as well as, you know, better brainstorming and better uh, passive recall. This is where the better brainstorming and better passive recall comes into play, where you know how you said you're taking those breaks, which kind of accumulate to a 20-minute break, or even taking that 30-minute break, like you said, down the line. Well, what's happening there also, you think you're not being productive, but what's at work there is the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind is at work there. So when you're thinking, oh, I'm not really working, I'm not really being productive, that's actually being most productive because you've taken a break, you've gone at it really crazy, right? Like 25 minutes, 25 minutes, 25 minutes, 25 minutes. Then the next thing you know, you walk away and then all of a sudden your subconscious mind is at work. And next thing you know, you get an insight, an aha moment, a creative idea. When did those come up? In the shower for you, Jared, when you're working out, when you're on the drive, when you're taking a walk. So after all of that, now you know what to do. Now you know what to tell your boss. Now you know what to tell, you know, your significant other. Now you know what you need to tell your customer or your client or what have you. So then you go back into the office or you go back to wherever you are and you do another 25 minutes and then another 25 minutes and then another 25 minutes. And there you have it, right? That's where the breakthroughs are. That's where you can perform better. That's when you reach the next level of optimal performance. Yeah, absolutely. That's all so key. And just so glad that we're talking about this for our listeners and for ourselves. I mean, we learned as well, you know, going through this. The last thing I would say on wrapping up with that is for some people out there like entrepreneurs, they may have a very easy way to stick with this. And when I say easy, not pulling away from the work as much as just easy as in, okay, I'm going to decide exactly what I'm going to work on for the next 25 minutes and 25 after that, 25 after that. For some people like you and I, I mean, you're working with clients, uh, so you're on some levels, they're on your time, but you're also on theirs because you're doing sessions with them and things like that. For me, I've got tons of stuff flying at me at different ways during the day. It's harder to just work on one thing at a time. But I think the point is here, guys, is if you would say, oh, that technique wouldn't work for me because my business is da, 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 or I do this in my business, so there's no way I could just do 25 minutes of something. The point is not necessarily to do one thing for 25 minutes, even though that would be best. It's to take whatever you're working on, do that for a period of time, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever. Again, research knows that our brains start getting fatigued on average after 90 minutes. So let's not push it that far, but take a much less scaled back period of time, set a timer, break for a short period of time after that. And after four of those cycles, again, just like with sleep cycles, we want to complete those cycles. We want to break for a longer period of time. And then what? you dive back into it. So during the day, you may have three or four of these 25 minute times four cycles going on. But the most important thing is you're getting your rest in there. You're fueling yourself. You're creating healthy cells. You're creating, you know, your mitochondria are thriving. You don't have all this cortisol buildup. You don't have fatigue. And then guess what, guys? You do sleep better at night because the melatonin is able to turn on better because you don't have all this stress and high levels of built up cortisol. So again, it's all going to work together. Your waking moments, your sleeping moments, all of this is going to help you guys perform so much better. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. So guys, we will end on that. Man, great podcast here today, Emilio. Thanks so much for your insight. If you guys would like to connect directly with us, the best way to do that is by email. Shoot a message to my team over at info at success101podcast.com. 
or you can catch us in the world of social media on Instagram and Facebook, or you can shoot Emilio an email at Emilio at We'll catch you guys on the next awesome episode. Keep rocking it out until then. <laughs>